Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy, sitting right next to me, again in the beautiful Pier 1 chair, is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, in beautiful, beautiful, nasty natty, is (sighs) Megan. Hello, this is Moxley Country, please, sir. I have questions I want to ask you about that, but uh, first, we begin with uh, what we begin with every week, the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Jenny, what do you have for us this week? Guys, (laughs) I don't have anything. (gasps) Yeah, we stopped over and had watermelon on my aunt's porch, and then we just got home, and I didn't grab anything. You had one job, Jenny. I know. I'm sorry. But Andy, it looks like, came prepared. I have a a Royal Docks Brewing Company Backyard Crusher, which is a summer-infused lager with lime. Ooh. That sounds Uh, good. Yeah, Yeah, it is good. Yeah. It's a a big boy. It's 16 ounces. It's, you know, I believe they call that a tall boy, not a big boy. Yeah, well... So, I'm going to, oh boy, I'm going to tear my nail bed up. Oh. There it goes. Oh, I can't get it. Everyone is horrified by your nail situation. I am Use really like a penny or something. This. <laughs> or like a butter knife. Okay, here we go. Oh, All right. Nice little echo there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh. Ew. My nails are screaming. Yeah. Nice. All right. Megan. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking boxed wine, so I don't have a sound to make. Um, it's a Boda Box Cabernet, because I figured, like, you know, this is Moxie's homecoming, so I'm just going to drink wine that I drink at home. On theme. Okay. Yeah, nothing special. Just the it's good old basics. Wine. Yeah, exactly. See, it's homecoming. So I have a I have a glass because it does again it doesn't really make a sound it's just a box of wine. So you started early is what you're telling us. Well, that's the beauty of the box wine is you can open it many days in advance and it still doesn't make a sound. (laughs) There's no beginning or end to the boxed wine. Well, there's an end. No, it's just a continuum. No, it's when (laughs) Megan has to go get her scissors. And cut the bag to get the remnants of the very last. Drop. How dare you air out my dirty secrets? Look, the bag, the 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 spout thingy doesn't reach the bottom of the bag. The physics. Uh, look, I don't have a problem. Just let me cut my bag wide, wide open and get to the last dregs, okay? And then I buy a new box. And then I will say, um, as a box wine connoisseur myself, I saw on Amazon. I was not searching for this was not searching for this. I forget how it came up. Probably related search. Apparently they have a boxed wine like fancy holder. So you take the bag out of the box and you put it into this thing. And it like as the bag empties, it elevates it up. And so like you always have like a, a steady drizzle from this thing. And um, yes, I did add it to my wish list. Not <laughs> proud. But it's supposed to make it looks fancy on your counter. And it's supposed to make your wine bag drain better so so it it figuratively and literally elevates your boxed wine drinking game yes okay yes it is that's cool 
bonkers expensive for what it is. How much is it? $98. Ooh. That's why I put it on my wish list because I'm not going to buy it. Wow. I'm going to let my mom look at my Amazon wish list for Christmas, be like, what the hell is this? And then maybe I'll get it. And if I don't, I'll continue drinking out of the box. And if I do, I'll look like a fancy person. Okay. Here's here's my question. Uh Uh-oh. How many bottles of wine does it take (laughs) if you spend $100 on an accessory for your cheap box wine? Like, at what point are you actually still in the black for having box wine instead of, like, an actual bottle of wine? Probably wouldn't take long. Yeah, because uh, essentially, Jenny, like, I'm paying, let's round up. I'm paying $20 for three liters of wine, which translates to four bottles. So I'm going to go with, if you compare that to, like, a conservative, you know, 15 bottle or $15 bottle, or even a 12. 12 times 4 is 48. So I'm spending less than half of that on wine. So if I funnel some of that to a fancy wine thingy, accessory, if you will. Um, I, I think call I'm, it an accessory. Yeah, I think I'm coming out ahead. Sense. But again, that's the beauty of the Amazon wish list. You just throw it out there, and then you let people looking at your wish list, when they're confused about what to get you, potentially just use that. And... I'm not going to call it something I need. I'm just going to call it something I saw on Amazon one day. It was like, ooh, that's cool. Uh, I will not buy it. But if somebody else wants to buy it for me, I will accept it as a gift. It um, So it says it's supposed to keep it fresh for six weeks. Yeah, yeah, because it keeps the bag all – that's the, the secret of the bag, right? You keep it crumpled down to reduce oxygen exposure. yeah. Yeah, so... And uh, Megan, unfortunately, there was only one available. Damn it. Well, it's only September. It's not Christmas time. (laughs) There's only one of the stainless steel available. The red and the white varieties are unavailable. Well, I hope they produce more. I can see in the time of COVID that people might be snatching these things up. Fancy people, obviously. Now, who's really spending six weeks to drink a three liter of wine. Certainly that wouldn't be us. Oh no, no, not at all. I just think it would up my game, you know? Yeah. It would look prettier on my, on my countertop. Now, Megan, you, uh, you famously, uh, never actually live in the city that you say you live in. You always live in the suburbs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I live in Cincinnati, you bitch. (laughs) And uh, and you know just like Jenny and I we're we're uh, we're suburbanites now now um, so given that uh, dynamite last night was right in the heart of uh, UC campus did all those wrestle men and women being in town have like did did it impact you in any way did you did you was there a sense that they were in town was there any kind of buzz that you could tell no not as far north as I am. There was. <laughs> did you even leave your house yesterday? I mean, I don't leave my house every day. I'm going to admit, no, I did not. I, <laughs> I went outdoors to cut my grass in the middle of the day. Uh, but that's about the extent of it. I okay. really, uh, watching the show, I will admit that I was a little sad that I didn't try to go downtown and stalk people. Just to, like, say, hey, get an autograph or two, maybe. Because 
everyone was at this show. Everyone. Yeah, you would have seen a lot of people. Yeah. I know. I I thought about how many tattoo shops I could have hit up and probably just tripped over like Ruby Riot, Malachi Black, Darby, maybe Punk, Darby. Yeah. Do you think they get a tattoo in every place they go? Darby doesn't have that many tattoos. He only has a couple. I guess I just think of him as being more tattooed than he is because He's he has not a very, face paint. He has like that relentless <laughs> on the back of his neck and maybe one on his hand or something. Sure. Maybe. I just assume heavily tattooed people like, okay, Ruby Riot and Punk, they have so many that you, you get a little one in cities you visit just for fun sometimes. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I can see it for, for, because they have a lot, yeah. Yeah, the point is, like, there are, Cincinnati's a city, but it's not, like, super expansive, you know? You hit a little small area. I probably could have found people wandering around at places that, uh, you know, based on interests, but I did not leave my home. I did not go downtown, and Cincinnati, I noticed in the crowd, did not wear a lot of masks, so... I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'm glad I didn't go expose myself to potentially the Delta variant. Um, I think, yeah. I think you ultimately made the wise choice. Um, I think I would have been disappointed if I had gone to see that Moxley-Suzuki match and then got what I got, so. Well, we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, we will. Uh, Let us talk ratings, because, oh boy. (laughs) I'm reading from uh, Post Wrestling's John Pollock. A favorite, uh, a favorite of mine. Whenever you say "oh boy" like that, it could go one of two ways, and both are extreme. Well, how about this, Megan? Riding a wave of momentum after the all-out pay-per-view, AEW Dynamite posted its second highest viewership figures of all time. Wow! Ooh. The September eighth edition of Dynamite from Cincinnati was a massive hit, with an average audience of one million three hundred nineteen thousand viewers. And wow. 1.3 million and 681,000 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Wow. Which is a which is a a 0.52 rating. Whoa. Um and you know, they're often in like the 0.35 to 0.4 range. Um viewership increased by 26% and the 18 to 49 demo was up by 40 and a half percent from last week's episode before all out. It was Dynamite's best performance in overall overall viewers and the 18 to 49 since the show's premiere on October 2nd, 2019, when that show averaged 1,410,000 viewers and a 0.68 in 18 to 49. So that was that was an absurd first uh, rating they had. Uh, so and here's here's where this gets even crazier. Dynamite narrowly edged out Raw in the key 18 to 49 oh demographic God. this week. Wow. With Raw averaging 678,000 viewers. So in that in that demo. So let me see. That would be 3,000 less viewers in the key demo than Dynamite. Um <laughs> Wow. Yes. And that is the first time that that has ever happened. And, yeah. And starting next week Monday Night Football every week for 17 weeks in a row. Oh no, uh, Vince is going to be freaking out. Yeah. Uh, Dynamite, let's see. Uh, yeah, also topped Raw in males 18 to 49, males 12 to 34, and adults 25 to 54 and 35 to 49. So they beat him in a bunch of different demos. 
Dynamite dominated the cable chart on Wednesday, beating Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which did a .43, and The Challenge on MTV, which did a .34. The Challenge used to be like the Dynamite Killer. and uh, Yeah, and Housewives, I think, consistently would, you know, top it. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, I'd say All Out really did well and did what it was meant to do. I wonder if this, the wave will continue or if people, will, everything will kind of normalize back to where it was before. But that's, those are some good stats, I guess I would say. Those are some good stats. Seriously. Jeez. Well, I, I get it. I mean, that pay-per-view was amazing. Like, I I don't know what, like... Prime pay-per-views were, like, back in the prime of... WWE. Or, or you know, the other companies. Yeah. But, like, it felt like it was on a whole other level. Like, I feel like it feels like it's better than, you know, what WWE is, like, currently putting out. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I'm actually surprised that they didn't beat Raw in total viewership this week. I think it's going to be a while still before they mm-hmm. do that. But, uh... Well, with football starting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, let's move on to the news. Uh, I, I I don't know. I normally might not even bring this story up, but uh, I do want to say, because he was a subject on the show that we did post all out. Uh, this is from Mark Middleton over at uh, Wrestling Inc. WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley took to Facebook uh, and issued a video warning to WWE following the all out debuts of adam cole brian danielson and ruby soho fully titled his video wwe we've got a problem um it's brief i'll just i'll just go ahead and uh and read what he said he said hello this is the hardcore legend mick foley which i think is exactly how he started our cameo um (laughs) i'd like to title this video wwe we've got a problem because i think you do and that problem is that wwe is no longer the place for talent to aspire to Part of it is because AEW is doing a great job of attracting great talent, proven talent, building other talent, creating storylines, but part of it is a problem of your own making. I think younger talent sees the way that developmental characters are cut or left by the wayside, or in the case of Karrion Cross, greatly watered down and even made a joke of when they debut on the main roster. If it's not broke, don't fix it. If I was an aspiring talent now, big league talent with a major decision to make, I'm not sure that I would trust WWE creative to do the right thing with my career. You guys did wonders with me back in the day. That was a different time, different place. If it was today, I'm not sure I would trust the powers that be with my career in their hands. And until that changes, WWE, you've got a problem. I think everything he's saying is valid, (laughs) but the problem is that, the real problem is Vince, and this is the kind of thing that will make him dig his heels in and do exactly what he wants to do and somehow also, like, drag Mick's name through the mud. You know, like, uh, the message is good, but I don't think it it's going to fall on deaf ears, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think, uh, I don't think there's any question of that. Um, like I said, I only brought it up because uh, I, I'm on a big Mick Foley high because he uh, sang a song about our new house. New house. <laughs> Guys, that song has <laughs> been in my head 
Me too, Megan. Every day. I've woken up in the middle of the night singing that song to myself. Yeah. It's uh, it's weird because I think Andy has a very direct relation to what that song is a parody of, which is McFoley's Dude Love. But I don't think I've ever heard the Dude Love version of that song. So all I have now in my brain is uh, New House. And I don't have a new house. It's your new house. So help. Somebody help. Well, you know what they say, Megan. Mikasa, Sukasa. So it can, it can, you can, you can consider it your new home too. Okay. Well, the the song is eating into my brain, and I can't. The only way to listen to it is to watch that cameo. That's horrifying to me. It's true. You could fire up Peacock and seek out a dude love match. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next story. I don't think you guys know anything about this, so this is gonna be a fun one to kind of spring on you. So this started. On September 7th, which was what? That was. It's the ninth today. So okay. Tuesday. So Tuesday. All right. Kevin Owens tweeted the coordinates. He tweeted out some coordinates. Okay. And he quickly uh, deleted the tweet, but people, people caught it. And the coordinates that he tweeted out were to uh, the U.S. landmark Mount Rushmore. Now, Mount Rushmore is, of course, as everyone knows, not not really. I'm not <laughs> I'm not gatekeeping. <laughs> Nobody knows this. Uh, uh, the PWG stable that was Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, and Kevin Steen. <gasps> Who's Kevin Steen? Kevin Owens. Oh. Yeah. So he then changed the location in his Twitter bio. To almost there. In response to this, the Young Bucks changed their Twitter bio location to there. Weird. <laughs> this is significant. <laughs> as asinine as it is, this is the type of shit that is like BTE level. So is his contract up soon? So he, that's 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 the interesting thing because people were thinking like, oh my god, is he almost out of contract? But there it was it was well publicized in spring of 2018. He did an interview saying that he had just re-upped with WWE for five years, which would mean that like he wouldn't be available until spring of 2023. So at that point, people just thought he was screwing around. But it did make some reporters try to do a little digging. And it was found that sometime in, I think in 2020, the COVID year, WWE restructured some contracts <gasps> to shorten them. Huh. Um, I think they were like restructuring them to give more money up front, but they wanted the terms, they wanted them to be shorter deals, you know? Okay. So Kevin Owens was one of those and his new date that he's out of contract is January of 2022. Okay. Well, yeah. that's soon. That is soon. How is that soon, guys? <laughs> because it's almost the, well, it's not almost the end of September. It just feels like it. Uh, it's September of 2021. I mean, October, November, December. Over. That doesn't we're, seem right. We're about to get into major American holidays. Halloween. Thanksgiving, 
Christmas, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. I'm trying to be inclusive here, but the point is, we're at the end of the year when all the holidays holidays occur. Like, you know. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, yeah. So that's another one. What would you guys think of Kevin Owens, uh, nay Kevin Steen, uh, joining All Elite Wrestling next year? I'd be into it because I want to see him be full on evil foul mouth like i think he could get away with a lot more in aew he doesn't have to be family friendly yeah i like kevin owens i know you do (laughs) do you like him because his son's favorite wrestler is john cena yes okay (laughs) it doesn't take much (laughs) that's interesting though oh that's it's pretty good right yeah i think it's cool All right, uh, Tony Khan went on the Busted Open uh, radio show as he does every week to uh, every every Wednesday morning. I think he goes on there to kind of promote whatever's happened on Dynamite that night, and he spoke about Kenny Omega being number one on the PWI 500 this year, uh, as I think that came up on Dynamite also. But, yeah, uh, of course it did. Yeah. But uh, this is, I believe, this is the second time that it happened because I remember a BTE storyline mm-hmm. where we saw that that uh, magazine cover a lot. And he got it like framed, like a big one framed. Yes, he got it blown up and framed. Yes, of course. So that's very exciting. Roman Reigns number two, obviously, because you know. <laughs> wow! Really? Yeah, really. Uh, and I think John Moxley was, yeah, he was number one last year. So they've AEW's had the number one the last two years. Yeah, that's what I thought of when Kenny announced it on Dynamite. I was like, you son of a bitch. Like, I don't know that it really means anything, but it is like a newsstand magazine. I think it means stuff to to the people in the industry, right? It's sort of like the way belts, you you know, storylines and everything mean that you get belts if you're doing well or you're picked, right? It's I think it's along that line. Is Roman Reigns like the title holder for WWE right now? Mm-hmm. So they just pick one and two. Like, or is it almost always just the title holders of the large companies that are like the top I'd have to, couple? I'd have to look back and through the years, but probably, yeah. I mean, then that doesn't really mean much, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> well, it's like it's a magazine that treats wrestling as if it's real. So I guess you would you would structure your list that way, right? Then. Yeah. I feel like when. Kenny won it the first time, or maybe even Moxley. Didn't like Chuck Taylor do his social media thing where he's hilarious and tweet about how he was like 498 or something? Probably. I, I, will I say feel this. like that happened. <laughs> uh, somebody made this joke on Twitter, but uh, but AEW had both the Alpha and the Omega uh, of this list, and uh, Omega was the Alpha, uh, Kenny Omega, and the Omega was Lulu Pencil at number 500. <laughs> so hell yeah, get it, Lulu Pencil. Very excited for Lulu Pencil. So I have a question because you keep texting me things about Lulu Pencil because she resembles yes. somebody in my life. Um, yeah. Is she just like Emmy Sakura's like assistant? Is that is that she's how she's re- built? She's a wrestler, but like, but also yes, like she okay. she so like for the dark like Emmy's been on dark the last couple of weeks, um, and Lulu has been like out at ringside with her. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious, because I, I don't think, you know, like when they went to Japan for the women's 
that yeah. leg of the women's tournament. I don't remember her being part of Emmy's stable. But then again, it was only the women who were actually in the tournament. So Yeah. yeah I think we yeah, have COVID, COVID protocols were making those pretty low body count uh, shoots, right? Yep. Looked like it was <clears throat> shot in a garage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no offense uh, to the tournament. They were all very talented. Yeah. TK also talked about All Out and how it had done. And he said, it's the most watched wrestling pay-per-view by any company outside of WWE since the 90s. Wow. He said 1999 was definitely the last time anybody put numbers like this outside of WWE. How do they uh, count the numbers? Like, is it only for the initial night and the original run or is no, it's, get... it counts everything. So like, so the number will continue to grow over the next few weeks until they're done replaying it. I feel like normally okay. Tony Khan, like the, the week after the pay-per-view is like, we're still counting everything. Like we don't really know yet. And then this one, he's coming out. Like it must've done really well. It must've like blown everything out for him to be talking like that. Cause normally he's very like, we still, still... want to gather in all the numbers mm-hmm. he possibly can. Well, listen to this. He says, and frankly, when the pay-per-view universe was basically WWE's game still before they had gone to a network subscription model, this would have been a good number for a WWE pay-per-view too. Hmm. So I think we're looking at it minimum 200,000 buys. That's it? Minimum. Okay. That would beat their record by 60,000 buys. Oh, okay. I bet we're looking at at least 300. Is that crazy? I will make a champagne bet with you that Uh-oh. it is closer to 200 than 300. Okay. What do you say? Okay. Is that that's okay to the bet or okay to you realizing that Andy's wrestling knowledge history? Sure. It's probably. Um, It'll be 249 and I'll win. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, you've got the debut, like Punk's first official match right and then everybody on the internet was like definitely we're getting daniel bryan a lot of people are gonna buy that yeah yeah i think so and uh yeah i think so i don't know how much uh christian meant as a title challenger but i think i think the big draw was cm punk obviously how long can you buy the pay-per-view after it's aired uh i think like on traditional pay-per-view outlets, I think maybe like the following week, but like you can go on Bleacher Report and buy it whenever you want. Okay. I was just wondering because if people didn't initially buy it, hearing how interesting and how awesome the show was, I wonder if that pulled in more people that weren't actually Mm. planning on bothering with it, you know? That's a good point, Megan. Yeah, I think this, I don't think many pay-per-views do big replay buys because a lot of the fun of wrestling is seeing like the surprises and, you know, but I think this is, yeah, I think this might be a rare one where there was so much good buzz coming out of it from various things from the, the Danielson and Cole debuts to punks match to the, to the cage match that not the Christian cage match, but the, (laughs) (laughs) it was fun. It was good too. Both cage matches. Yeah. Both cage matches. Uh, that, that I think this one may have actually done substantial um, replay buys, but we'll see. Interesting. We should, we should have some kind of preliminary like number next week. Mm. Good for them either way. Yeah, absolutely. 
And let's see. Let me uh, wrap up with a couple of more items here. Excalibur's getting married. Excalibur is getting married. Wow. He was not on Dynamite this week. Nope. Because Because he's got a wedding to go to. Oh, like, so he's getting married, like, this week. Yeah. Not that, like, he got engaged. No. No. He's definitely just going to the ceremony as the groom, you know, hopefully showing up when he's supposed to. Um, Hopefully. Taz was in his place this week. Hmm. I just thought that'd be a nice filler news item, since there's not really much to expound on with that one. Well, congratulations, Excalibur. Yeah, good for you. Oh, Kenny and uh, Will Osprey were going back and forth on Twitter yesterday, so I think I think that that was a a match that we're probably going to see in AEW hmm. sometime in the not too distant future. Has he been forgiven for his part in the shit that came out last year? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like not by hmm. Jenny. Not by me. <laughs> it sounded like many people weighed in on him and B being kind of a bullying couple in the mm-hmm. industry and that's not cool. No, but I don't really know exactly, you know, I'll never know exactly what happened there. So I'm assuming if he shows up though, it's in the same capacity as like any other New Japan guest. Like Will Osprey's not leaving New Japan, right? No, but he is because he lives in England. Um uh again he is going to be more U.S. based than Japan based as far as his wrestling over the next, you know, until until really until Japan is back opened up without quarantines. Oh yeah, okay. So he'll be. I think he'll be appearing on like the New Japan Strong uh, shows a lot. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, kind of makes me want to get New Japan World again because I just kind of want to see that product. Well, uh, weren't you going to buy it for the G One anyway? That's coming up, right? Yeah, it starts next week. And no, I was not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the the same reason that uh, the same reason that he's staying away right now is the reason that like the G one blocks are not looking too hot this year. It's because they don't have any foreign talent in them. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. You watched the G one last year. Um, I watched some of the G one last year. I remember you watching it, like hooking up the laptop to the TV. Okay. Trying to watch it, but then you couldn't get the sound to come out of the TV. So the sound was coming out of the laptop, and then you got really frustrated. Are you sure you're not thinking of the Tokyo Dome? No, it was like a multi-day. Okay. Well, there's there's Tokyo Dome. Yeah, the Tokyo Dome. Oh, but I think it was more than two days. I thought it was like... Okay, well, G1's a lot of days, so yeah. Wasn't there American and other foreign talent in last year's G1? Or was that still in the height of... The pandemic. I think, uh, time I think has there no were, I think I think their solution last year was just like everybody has to just come and stay here. Oh and, yeah, do the quarantine this year, thing. This this year they have the New Japan Strong thing going, and so I think they can't really do that because they have they have a domestic product to hmm. fulfill too. Okay. Um, AEW announces first Universal Studio TV tapings, so. This is presumably where Dark is going to be filmed. It's going to be filmed at a television studio at Universal Studios. Um, Isn't that where Impact's filmed? Yeah, it's where Impact. It's exactly where Impact. It's it is the old Impact Zone, Megan. Oh gosh, is the ring going to be excited? Are we going to have to deal with I mean, this? I wish, but I don't think. So. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so this is how dark is going to be presented now. So, so starting, I don't know if, I don't know if they're going to have footage from the arenas for dark next week, but in the next couple of weeks, dark is going to be a studio show taped from universal and elevation is going to be from the arenas. Okay. And they're still going to be on YouTube though, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Still going to yeah. be on YouTube, but I think they just wanted to give the shows a different feel. So are they going to do like an NXT thing where they sell tickets and then tape four weeks of shows at once? I, so the way they're doing so they, they're, they're doing their first taping this weekend, uh, Saturday, September 11th, and they're doing two three hour sessions, one from noon to 3 p.m. and one from 4.30 to 7.30. So, yeah, that sounds to me like they're they're filming like big blocks of content. OK. Yeah. But I will I will watch at least the first episode of this because I just want to I, I want to see I like wrestling that looks different. Yeah, it'd be interesting to check out and. I guess like kind of weird, weirdly, I'm thinking that means that there is a time limit to how long these shows can be. <laughs> like you can't, you can't just like film 20 matches and then be like, this is a single episode. Right? I, I hope not. I really <laughs> hope those days are over. Um, but yeah, so this is uh soundstage 19 at universal, which is where impact started, uh, using that in 2013. So they had used, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So soundstage 21, which is larger is where the original impact zone was. And WCW also used to tape TV there. So they don't have that one. I don't know. I don't know who's in soundstage 21 right now, but uh, anyway, Hey, there's it'll, still, it'll, it'll look different. I think, I think it'll look neat. That's, that's kind of cool in the sense that like, Maybe they are starting to develop a plan for how they're treating dark, like what they want dark to be, especially with all the new acquisitions and stuff. I've been curious about whether dark and elevation are going to be based on like talent tiers, you know, where you are, or if if they're going to try to use some of it as developmental or not. So I'm kind of, I'm just curious where the show's going. It seems to me that based on who wrestles on dark now, that there are it's not so much talent tiers but it's how much people want to wrestle um because you've got guys like moxley who it seems like is on dark almost every week because and i think he seriously just, yeah he's on dark all the time and i think it's just because he just he doesn't want to he wants to be in there you know and then there's guys like you know cm punk who are going to be very careful with their uh with the bumps they have left on their body <laughs> and uh and uh, and even Kenny, who, you know, in the early days of Dark would do matches, but he hasn't, you know, he doesn't he doesn't wrestle that much anymore. He doesn't need to up his uh, win loss count. No, I'm going to qualify that with a very. If you're a man, that's how they're treating Dark. If you're a woman, they're treating it as that is the only place you're allowed to showcase yourself unless you're Britt Baker. Hey, like, I can't, I can't verify the other side of that, but I can verify that we don't see many women on Dynamite. Here's a weird thing that Tony Khan tweeted out today. Oh, gosh. I see a lot of tweets talking about Leo Rush today. First of all, did you? Coincidentally, 
Brendan Benson's real hot this week. Yep. Coincidentally, I've been talking to, I guess, Leo Rush's Twitter handle, the Lionel Green, a lot recently about returning to AEW, and it feels like something that could happen in the near future. So I guess Leo Rush is going to come back. After his, one, after his one appearance in a Casino Battle Royale. Yeah, I don't really understand what the plan was there because he, he made this big entrance and he got a pop and he did a lot he of fast-paced hurt. stuff. He got, hurt. he got hurt in the Battle Royale. Oh. Yeah. What a burn. It's like a Matt Seidel thing, except Matt Seidel didn't get hurt. He just got his ego bruised. <laughs> <laughs> Something got hurt. He recovered. So that is the news. Uh, there was quite a bit of things today, but I think I think for sure that Kevin Owens' story is the most interesting thing to kind of keep an eye on over the next few months. Can I just like take the temperature of both of you as far as like um, we listen to another podcast? It is called the Power Bombcast. Andy mm-hmm. and I do at least. Uh, and you guys will not listen to the podcast that I listen to. <laughs> Watch what crappens number two podcast this week. I would listen to that, sure. except I don't watch the shows. Because I don't have Bravo. Podcast. A podcast that you listen to? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. But that that's just to say that this is not, like, an original thought I'm having. It's just a question based on a, a thing they were discussing around, like, how Tony Khan is bringing in all this WWE talent, which isn't necessarily bad, because I think he's going to u- utilize it well. But at the same time, like, how do you feel about how the ranking system comes into play? Because on this podcast that we listened to that came out right after All Out, so this was in advance of Dynamite, like, I think there was a relevant segment where Daniel Bryan said basically, like, Kenny, you're the best, you're supposed to be the best, and I want to wrestle you, and I've got people telling me that I'm not allowed to because of the rankings, but the crowd wants to see it. So, like, how do you guys feel about the concept of the ranking system when you've got all this new talent you're bringing in, and also, like, do you think that all this new talent you're bringing in is going to edge out people who have been there a long time? Because it's only so many hours in the show. No, because we know that we can never figure out why the ranking system works the way it does. But, I mean, this also brings up where, like, CM Punk is clearly not going to wrestle very often. But even when MJF doesn't wrestle very often, he's often in pretty high up in the rankings, too. So, like, when they want to push a storyline about a person, they figure out how to fudge the rankings. Like, they'll just make some of those dark guys lose more often so that they have a worse percentage so that it's okay for, like, CM Punk, who's only had one match, to be number one. That's well, how they'll do it. I guess, yeah, that was that was kind of where my mind goes, is, like, when they want to elevate people up the ranks, they just send them to dark, and then one day you find out Britt Baker has, like, 30 dark wins. And now she's, like, number one contender. They'll do the opposite because they're not going to send CM Punk and Brian Danielson to to Dark. But they will will make the people on Dark lose more that need to lose more. Okay. That's kind of depressing in its own way, though. I also think that, like, the rankings... I think should be used more as a storyline tool than as a hard and fast rule for booking. And, you know, this is a company that acknowledges that other wrestling exists. So I don't think it's too like out of the realm of reasonability for 
them to say that, like, yes, Daniel Bryan has never wrestled in AEW. However, unlike CM Punk, who has not wrestled at all for seven and a half years, Brian Danielson, the last match he had was in the main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> like, I think that that, that you know, storyline-wise, that should have some cachet. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I just was, I've been thinking about it because I listened to that podcast where they talked about it and then I watched this episode of Dynamite and I was like, uh-oh, are we going to have a problem? I also just wonder how people on the roster feel because, like, you had all those people that stuck with them through the pandemic and we're still in it, don't get me wrong, but, like, the worst parts of it and and as, like, game as they were to show up and be on TV – when they weren't needed, they were quickly taken off TV, you know? I just wonder how the dynamics of this this company where everyone who's talked about it so far has been like, this is great. It's like a family. We love it working here. It's so nice. And it, it appears from the outside that everything is actually really going well inside of it. I just, I guess it's the anxiety in me that's like, please, when does the scale tip and it all goes bad, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could see... If you're somebody like Sammy Guevara, and I'm not saying that Sammy feels this, but I could see if you're him and you've been probably thinking for two years, like, okay, it's going to be my turn soon. Mm -hmm. And then the bench just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. It should be Sammy's turn soon, though. Yeah, I agree. And Jungle Boy. And, and, you know, obviously Adam. Yeah, well, I think Hangman's going to be fine. Because I yeah. think, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I think I think Sammy and Jungle Boy are two good examples of of like guys who seem primed to explode, but now there's a lot of like um, established star power ahead of them in line. Yeah. Like I bet MJF is fine because he's like whatever. I'm already I'm already one of the top people. People hate him. He's going to do fine whether he wrestles or not. All he has to do is show up and like be a dick. But yeah. people hate to hate him. I don't I don't think that's true. I hate to hate him. Okay. He had some well, choice words for wrong. Cincinnati. And I was like, yep, this is exactly what I expected. <laughs> dick. All right. Um, let's talk briefly about being the elite because. I think it's important. It was, yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty important episode. Um, they held a, held a seance that was Malachi Black said this would work. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't think it was successful, but then it did. It did, in fact, uh, end with Adam Cole's resurrection. And he checked his phone, which still had battery power after four years, and was amazed to find that uh, it was 2021 and he was not in Reseda. And Super <laughs> and Dragon. And he had the taste. Yeah, we're super dragon. He had the taste of monster in his mouth. I love the the level of detail in their callbacks. <laughs> it's just like holy shit. Well, and I wonder if that was probably one of the episodes they had to take down, right? Because that would have been like the height of Marty too. So yeah, and maybe. Joey Ryan. Yeah. So they probably had to like look back at like Nick's like. Oh yeah, that one might be scrubbed. Hard drive. Now nah, they probably still got a private channel that has all the videos on it. Yeah, somewhere. I I just really respected that <laughs> they were like, we're going to pretend literally Adam Cole for the last four years has definitely been dead, not on a rival company. 
not out of bitterness, just because it's important to our storyline of him being a ghost. And then we're going to bring him back. Yep. And their seance, I have to say, the lighting was gorgeous. <laughs> would, would love to just set up on, like, you know, a shelf in my room just to have a nice soft glow. I thought they did really well with that arrangement. Don't know who's responsible for it, but well done, guys. Beautiful. But, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was uh, Ric Flair made his uh, BTE debut. What uh, the hell? <laughs> He was, uh, you know, in town, I guess, uh, taking in the show. And uh, he was he was at a Ruth's Chris at the bar, as you would expect the nature boy to be. And yep. uh, Kenny and the Bucks and a fourth person who they didn't say who it was. I'm guessing it was probably Adam Cole. Yep. That's uh, who I assumed it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, had been with them. And uh, apparently Ric Flair just, like, covered their bill. Now, here's my question. <clears throat> was the bill they showed... With the words Ric Flair got this or covered this or whatever, however they wrote it, was that kayfabe? Or do you think that Ric Flair like asked for their bill, paid it, and then wrote that on the part that you get to keep and then this sent is, it to them? This is a classic Ric Flair move, Megan. Does he write that on like in bold no. letters? <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm guessing like the server did and also did not know how to spell Rick in the case of Ric Flair because she oh, spelled it right. with, they spelled it with an R I C K. But, um, yeah, no, this is like a this is a Ric Flair move. When he sees like younger wrestlers like out, he will often like cover their tabs. But I love that when he sees younger wrestlers out, these are all EVPs with like compound homes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like indeed. okay, so part of it, part of it is that Rick does it because he's a nice guy, but part of it is also because Rick likes to be a big shot. Yeah, he has yeah. to do that flex. I just no, I, I fully I, you know. I'd like to flex if I had the money to flex. I think I, I think I would do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I fully believe that he paid. That wasn't the part I was asking about. I definitely yeah. was just like not sure if he. I didn't even notice Rick was spelled wrong because I was like, oh, this is weird and hilarious. And is that real? The real Rick Flair? Or are they pointing at a guy with like white hair at the bar? But it was him. I just wonder. And like you said, the server must have done it because it was spelled wrong. If he has the audacity to, to take the bill and write Ric Flair paid for this and then send it to their <laughs> table, because I think that's a huge. I bet effect. he just. I bet he just like told the server to to write that. Okay. Um, I did love that they started wooing at the end, and then and then like the last thing you see is Rick start to look over, and then they cut away. And <laughs> yeah. the, I, I would I would love to know um, if he like came over, if like what happened, you know. I yeah, I would assume he did, but I I also feel like. Maybe he was like, hey, don't put me on camera because Kenny's head, Kenny and the camera, the way he was positioned, his head was in front of him while he, Ric Flair, while he was standing at the bar. So you couldn't really see him until they like kind of edged it over just to be like, check it out. And then it was very brief Flair sighting, if you will. So I, I that was hilarious, though. Yes, I am. I can't even tell you how excited I am about like the fact that we seem to be approaching the day when Ric Flair is going to be a regular character on AEW television. Wait, why, why are we approaching that day? Oh, uh, you know, just like talk. He, he and TK are friends and he's, he's gone from WWE now and he's gone um, from WWE. He is. Andrade's yeah. in the company. What's he, what's he doing? He's so being rich, you well, know, you know, but how, I think he liked getting that extra paycheck. Well, you know how <laughs> WWE makes you like, like clear all the, third-party stuff you do with them. Yeah. He just 
I think as he becomes, as he gets older and becomes more like the grand old man of uh, like of like our nostalgic memories of wrestling, he keeps getting all these opportunities to do commercials and and pitch man uh, stuff. And I think he's sick of like a having to run everything by them and b like them turning some of the stuff down on bit like for him. Uh, yeah, I think that's a perfectly valid criticism too. It's like if you want to play ball with some like like he made himself famous. WWE was his medium for sure. And they helped, but at a certain no, level, it's, it's kind of like true, not true in his case. I don't he, even know anything about Ric Flair. He, yeah. But like, that's, that's, that's just the thing. Like he was like already like super famous before he ever came to WWE. So they didn't even, uh-huh. so he, Vince can't even claim that he created that character. So that's even worse. But yeah, like my, the, the larger point with like the Twitch channels and stuff too, is like, you, if you want people to stick with you, you have like in this day and age, everyone has a side hustle, right? Like let these people cash in on their fame because they're in a sport where their bodies are not going to last till they're like, you know, they're not going to be wrestling the same amount of time. A, a, an office worker would be going until they retire. You know, you have to like build opportunities and have other cash flows for when you're like 40 and you have to stop because you're not going to be drawn from social security at that point. You know, like you have to have ways to keep going. And I think it's ludicrous that WWE is so obsessed with their cash and image that they can't let people build their own brand. And, and, you know, like as long as they're not, it's a family friendly company. So sure. Don't go out and like make porn or something. Um, which I think don't is large. That, don't put that thought in my head. It's fully okay as adults. I think you can do that, but also yeah. But don't put don't put the thought of Ric Flair making porn in my head. Man. Oh, I don't want that. That's horrifying. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that it's a it's a direct. That's the type of direct conflict with their company where I could see Vince being like, no. But if somebody wants to like go out and do like a commercial or or a spot in a movie, just leave them alone. Like, why don't you just let them do their thing and then they'll come back to you. You know, you're just making it harder on yourself to retain people who have ambition and and want to branch out. Yeah, Big Show, or sorry, Paul White was talking recently about how, like, how many movie roles he'd had to pass on because yeah. WWE, like, just, because, you know, think about it. He's, like, he's been, he, he was in WWE for over 20 years. And how many, like, how many movies over that period of time could say, like, oh, we could really use, like, a, great big fucking huge guy for like, like he was supposed to be in um, Troy. He was supposed to be one of like the, like the, the giant guy that Achilles fights. In, oh, in that one scene. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure there were a lot of roles like that over the years that WWE was like, no, you're not an actor. Like, <laughs> like what would that have hurt to let him go do that? That's yeah. I, it's just seems so self-centered in a way that it, it feels almost like bitter rather than, I wonder. I do wonder if there was something to it where it was like, "Well, look what happened with The Rock. Hmm. He got famous and he left us." Yeah, but look what happened when he came back for WrestleMania. People were like fucking ecstatic because guess what? He made a name for himself outside your business and probably brought more fans. Like again, I just don't really understand. I don't see the downside. I guess, or at least not as much of a downside as they consider it to be. Well, this is all to say that Ric Flair made a brief appearance on Being the Elite this week. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, and then the other thing, unless you had any other thoughts, Megan, I thought just like the only other real thing of note was we did get a cool look at the end of the debuts of Cole and Danielson. And, uh, and then afterwards we got to see Adam like hugging everybody and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, kissing, uh, Brit and, uh, and just, they were just all saying like, it's, you know, great to have you here and stuff, which is funny. Cause like, I, I'm pretty sure he's, he was around backstage at Daly's place, like all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he didn't get to go out and be part of it. <laughs> well, you don't think yeah. WWE had GPS like sewn into him. Oh, he's chipped. <laughs> it's like Adam. We noticed you're in the same place. W or AEW is filming. Get out of there. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. Uh, no, because this isn't important at all. But um, Ryan Nemeth, what the hell is going on with Cream? I'm so confused. I I have skipped those segments for at least the last three weeks. I they like they really gross me out. So I, I just don't watch them now. The Cream part is really gross, but I'm honestly genuinely curious about what the fuck he's doing as far as like a film experiment here. Um, and I'm only, I think only willing to give it a shot because he, uh, apparently he does do like film stuff. So I, I'm, yeah. I want to know if this pays off. I don't like watching cream be consumed. I think that's really barf worthy, but I'm just so entrapped in the mystery of why cream, what is happening? It's been, it's being treated like a drug. I'm, I'm so confused. And this week he had a Ruby Riot on shirt or Riot shirt on, which I thought was like, oh, nice, good for you. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, uh, there was so they did a a road to uh, Dynamite this week on their YouTube channel, the AW YouTube channel, and they had some really good footage of like the Lucha Bros backstage after mm-hmm. winning the tag titles, and also Ruby Soho uh, didn't know this, but like Sarah Logan came and surprised her in Chicago and visited her and uh, brought her a uh, tiny little baby with her. <laughs> and uh, that's uh that's half Viking. And, uh, and yeah, it was really sweet. She was, they, they were both crying and stuff. It was really cute. Oh, I love that. She's getting so much support from people. That's so, so nice. So happy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was lovely. But anyway, yeah. Um, uh, one more yeah. thing and it's yes. super trivial and it's horrible that I have to follow up the like heartwarming thing with this, uh-huh. but I cannot get past the fact that mm-hmm. I love that Peter Avalon and Leva Bates were wearing Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears shirts. And then they had a weird short fight where they only used song titles. I thought that was great. That was pretty fun. Okay. That's sorry. That was very, very shallow, but <laughs> loved it. No, I liked it too. Yeah. Uh, Megan, let us uh, let us do some dynamite from the Queen City. Okay, yes, we are in Cincinnati, Ohio. I refuse to call it by any other thing um, that other people may have called it, but we're in the Fifth Third Arena. Jenny, you and I, we're familiar with that arena. Yes. We used to live not too far from it. Yes. I thought that was the new, I thought the Fifth Third Arena was the new um, basketball arena for UC. I thought it had been around. Maybe I'm wrong. Or at least the side of where it was. We. The point is, you say I never live in any of the cities I claim to be from. Uh, Jenny and I did for sure live within the city limits of Cincinnati, Ohio. I lived within the city limits of Cincinnati, Ohio for longer than you. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you. 
All right, I'm gonna. Oh, okay. It was okay. It is the same arena they've had since 1989, but they they there was a major renovation in 2018. Yeah, yeah, because that the Fifth Third Arena sign has always been visible from like when we lived down there. Okay, good. Okay. I'm not I'm not losing okay. my mind. Okay, but anyway, we're here. We're in Cincinnati, and we're. You muted yourself, Megan. I muted myself. Sorry. Uh, you said we're here. We're in Cincinnati. And I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Are no. we having some Cincinnati chili? Uh, unfortunately, it only gets mentioned in a mean way. Uh, oh. Nobody's eating it on screen, which is sad. Um, now, John Moxley and Brian Pillman Jr. did uh, send the crowd home happy with a uh, rousing chorus of the uh, Skyline Chili theme song. So, Oh, my God. That's amazing. Megan prefers Gold Star. I do. Yeah. I grew up on Gold Star. Sorry. But I'll eat a Skyline chili every now and then. Surround. I haven't had one in a really long time, but I'll um I'll make like the chip dip with it. Oh like, yes, yeah. Skyline dip is real good. Amazing. Wow, I haven't made that in a long time. I haven't made that in a really long time. That sounds really good. There was a pizza that we used to get down in Newport, Kentucky that <gasps> that they made the dip on a pizza. And, like, I never wanted to admit it, but I fucking loved that pizza. <laughs> I did, too, but we've only ever eaten it when we were super drunk. And so I don't know if if I just ordered that on, like, a Tuesday night, if I'd be like, this is horrifying. But it was really good. So, yeah, Skyline, uh, Cincinnati favorite, only among Cincinnatians, because everybody else apparently thinks it's garbage. It's way better. I mean, if you really want to, like, tear down Cincinnati... You need to go after <laughs> Geta. Nobody oh, yeah. mentioned Geta at all on this program. Yeah. It's because nobody knows what the fuck Geta is on a, on, a, on a nationwide basis. It is gross. Isn't it just like a bunch of meat? And it's like cheap. I... It's cheap sausage type um, meat and oats. It's meat Ew. and grain sausage or mush. Yeah, it's like it's like the left it's like way leftover stuff mixed with like grains. Okay. I've heard see like living in Cincinnati, I've definitely heard of it. I've never eat, consumed it, but that sounds like something I don't want. And way more offensive to the senses than Skyline Chili. Yeah. Huh. Sorry. All right. Well, we can't harp on Cincinnati lore too much because we never really focus on locational lore. Um, but well, we don't usually have much like background with the places. I know. I felt like a deep. They've never been to Ohio before. They went to Cleveland once. Oh, I felt right before, right by before the pandemic. Though. Yeah. So okay. So we're in we're in the natty. Is what I will say. Not the the other thing. Uh, but yeah, we've got Malachi Black against Dustin Rhodes to open the show. And Dustin is here to make Malachi pay for all the wrongs he's committed against the Nightmare family. If you'll remember, so far he's taken out Cody, Brock, Anderson, Arn Anderson, so all the Andersons, and Lee Johnson, apparently, on last week's Rampage. Yeah, he's been running through that stable. It just keeps kicking people right in the face. Uh, unfortunately, well, that's, that streak ended tonight. Yeah, unfortunately for <laughs> Dustin, though... While the kicking in the face streak ended, Dustin does not manage to get the job done, even though Malachi tries to, Malachi even tries to fire him up. He pulls that boot that Cody left in the ring when, when Malachi kicked him in the face weeks ago. 
He pulls it out from under the ring and he throws it at Dustin and tries to get him. He's like, I want you mad. Come on, come at me with all you got. Um, and Dustin does get fired up, but not enough to win. Malachi gets the pin after he does a spin- spinning heel kick. Having had an assist from a turnbuckle that he exposed earlier in the match, um, Dustin ran face first into it when he was trying to get to Malachi, who dodged. And then when Dustin was all, you know, stunned by this, by hitting his face on it, then he got heel kicked. Um, Yeah, but he was going for the black mass, but he just like caught Dustin's beefy shoulder instead. True. So I don't you don't see him like whiff on the, the kick very often. I was not sure height-wise how they compared until they actually got into the ring. And Dustin is still, like, I thought Malachi Black was tall, but Dustin's Dustin still. Dustin is, like, not quite as, like, sneaky tall as Billy Gunn, but he's not far off. Yeah, like, Dustin's he was real tall. Yeah. He was really tall compared to Malachi Black. Like, taller than I expected. I thought they'd be a little more even you guys still remember like when dynamite first started and they didn't have any big guys like how dustin always looked like this <laughs> crazy tall giant i remember no, i know that. i know how big dustin is i'm just saying like he's not quite as tall as billy gunn but but they are both men who i think because of the era they were stars in the wwf of the late 90s where it was the land of the giants you didn't think of them as like giants until they were out of that mm-hmm. element you probably always just saw Billy Gunn and thought, what a huge guy. Because you had never seen him, like, in any other context. Yeah. Well, I saw I, him. I always just thought of him as, and thought, what, there's only Austin Gunn this week. Right. <laughs> there is only Austin Gunn. See, I, when I, when I was introduced to Billy Gunn, primarily, I was seeing him with, like, Undertaker and Big Show and Kane every week. Hmm. So. That's the thing, is, I feel like at one point, when CM Punk was in WWE, he looked short until he left and then stood next to normal sized people. And it was yeah. like, Oh, you are really tall, but WWE is it's, it warps your perception because everybody's tall. It's just, are you really tall or just tall? Yeah. So I thought the match was really good. I think, <laughs> I mean, Malachi black is really good. Dustin Rhodes fucking rules. Every time he wrestles, it's like a treat. It's like, Oh, What's what's he gonna do this time? He did a, another great fucking Canadian destroyer at the end of this match. This this was really fun. I I just we, it'd been a while since I'd seen Dustin, and he was he was still great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I think initially I was like, wow, Dustin's getting a lot of offense, and then Malachi put him through a table, <laughs> and things seemed to normalize a little bit. Um, I did like that he worked over Dustin's leg, and then uh, at one point Dustin fell down. And Jenny, I thought you'd appreciate it. Malachi kind of stood before him and goes, are you not entertained at the crowd? <laughs> like, get it, Gladiator reference. I love <laughs> it. So, yeah, good match. Good stuff. After that, we get a video promo from the new AEW World Tag Team champions the lucha bros alex abrahantes is there obviously to translate for penta uh ray says that finally the best tag team in the universe are the new tag team champions and penta says spanish and then alex abrahantes looks in the camera and says penta says that the uh the champions the championships have cost them blood sweat and tears but anyone 
out there who is willing to make that same sacrifice is welcome to try and take the championships from the Lucha Bros. So they are they're ready to be fighting champions. They're open to challenges. Good. Yeah. I like my champion to be a fighting champion. They don't sound scared. Uh, and I look forward to seeing who might get thrown at them because tag team wrestling in AEW is generally pretty stellar. I don't like my champion to be an Art Darby Allen champion. <laughs> Guys, I've defended but I like my championship twice. <laughs> Ecstatic applause. I love that he had to tell the crowd, no, that's bad. <laughs> it's not enough. So, yeah, um, speaking of champions, though, next up we have a video promo from Eddie Kingston and Miro. Eddie says that he and Miro were going at it like men in the ring at All Out, but then Miro had the audacity to get in a cheap low blow, and he says, you know, anyone who knows about God knows he rains down on the just and unjust all the same. That's right. God don't play favorites. Yeah. He's a Eddie's from New York. He's probably a good Catholic boy. Or something like that. Well, I don't know. He said he told Miro that he didn't believe in his god the other week, but I guess well, maybe maybe Miro's he thinks Miro's god. god is like a different god. Yeah. Yes, Miro's I, a I, foreigner. You know, Eddie doesn't think that way. No, I know, I know he doesn't. <laughs> he wore the shirt. Eddie's Andy. a good he, boy. He loves all I, people. I forget what it was, but there was some moment on Twitter the other day where uh, Eddie Eddie said something. He was making some reference to a hip hop song. And he used some word that was, like, a little out of fashion. And somebody said, like, hey, we don't say that anymore. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. No problem. And <laughs> oh, my God. Can everybody on the internet please just look at Eddie and model themselves after him? He acknowledged it. He said he was sorry. And he moved on with his life. Yep. That's the perfect way to approach. Has <laughs> Eddie changed? And I'm sure he won't say it again. Yeah, that's all you have to do. You don't have to get into a big fight about it. God damn it. Eddie Acknowledge, Kingston. apologize, change. That's really all you need to do. Think about all the years we wasted hating Eddie Kingston, Megan. I know. I feel like an asshole. <laughs> I'm acknowledging, I'm apologizing, and I'm, I'm changing. That's good. So, I love this video, though. I love the part where um, Miro said, like, uh, yeah, I, like we both had to ice our balls after this match because of my hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mirror, he son of a bitch. He said he's going to offer his broken bones to his wife and yeah. his soul to his God. So it definitely seems like things aren't over between these two uh, boys. I really want them to do this match in Queens, and I really think that Eddie should win the title. How is that? Is that September 22nd? Yeah, that's Arthur Ashe. Okay. I mean, I. I love seeing Miro with the title and being all the redeemer and stuff, but he could probably Miro, lose it and still do that, right? Yeah, and like you know, it's the TNT title, so it's it's kind of meant to be a little more fluid. Like he could he could probably win it back soon after that, but I just Eddie Eddie winning that title in New York City in front of seventeen thousand fans would be so cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think the Young Bucks know that. And probably, I hope they they adjust or do that, you know. That would be really cool. Yeah. I liked watching these two fight on All Out, so I'm honestly up for a, 
a longer feud between the two of them, if that's what this is. Yeah. All right. From there, we go to a segment with CM Punk in the ring. Cincinnati loves Punk. So I guess my question that I posed to you last week it has been answered. There were still Punk chants. They were still really <laughs> wild for him. He had to tell them that he was going to step on their chants so that he could say what he needed to say. They still chanted. Um, he wanted to thank Darby Allen Sting and all the fans. And he admits that he wasn't sure that he would like what it was going to be like for him coming back. But it was like, quote, riding a violent bicycle. And he's back, baby. And at this point, the you still got it chance ensue. And I just thought it was so sweet of him to be like, hey, but you know who else is great? And he's he sort of like tried to redirect the chance to pretty much everyone who participated on All Out. He's he's trying to share the glory. I thought that was nice of him. That's um, nice. He did ask the crowd what's next for CM Punk because his wife, April, had asked him that. Apparently sent a text message after the the pay-per-view and said, okay, so what's next? So he is ready to entertain suggestions from the crowd as if he's on the prices rise. <laughs> right. People are shouting out opponents. They want to see him fight. And at this point, Taz, who is on commentary, decides to get up from his seat and interrupt Punk by picking up a, a microphone and kind of walking away from the announce table. He says that he's known Punk a long time and he's tired of this bullshit love fest. Because who wants that? Um, he tells Punk not to ever mention anyone from Team Taz as a potential opponent. And Punk kind of shrugs and is like, who, who said any, like, who mentioned that? That's not a thing that came up. Sorry. And Taz gets really mad and says, don't you ever speak the names of my boys. Uh, Hobbs and Hook, at this point, walk out to join Taz on stage while he's going off on how he never wants CM Punk to ever talk about them. And Punk says, you know what? Send Stark. Send Hook. Send Hobbs. Send all of them. They can all come at me. And then he quotes Taz and says, they'll survive it if I allow it. He says, beat me if you can. Survive if I let you. There you go. I don't I don't know Taz quotes. <laughs> I thought it was funny because he he was like, when have I been talking about them? And then Taz is like, on the radio appearances. <laughs> You've been everywhere. Punk's it's like, true because I did I did listen to a lot of CM Punk media last week in the lead up to the show. And he did talk about specifically uh, wanting to wrestle Starks and Hobbs. Was that in response to a question or did he go out of his way to say... It was like, like pretty much everybody asked him, like, "Oh, who do you want to work? Who are the young guys do you want to work with here in AEW?" And okay, you know, I would love to see Taz be like, "Hook, go take care of business," <laughs> and then have I mean, Punk just murder him. CM Punk said, "Bring Hook or send me Hook." So, yep. I mean, you know, Queens is that's Taz's hometown. I think I think you could do worse than a than a hook debut in Queens. Now, if that happened, do you think people of Queens would be like, "That's our boy," or people of Queens would be like, "CM Punk is back." Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think they'd be conflicted. <laughs> like, who do they chant? But you know, I could see, I could see something like CM Punk and Dante Martin versus Hobbs and Hook or something like that. Oh yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. I, I'm not, a, yeah, I'm not against that. Like CM Punk going after Team Taz. I just loved his reaction. It was like, nobody said anyone from your team. Like the crowd did not say anyone from Team Taz. Sorry. 
CM Punk must be like deliriously happy because I never in my life thought that when he returned to wrestling, that his role would ever be the guy who comes out and like basically tells you what's on the rest of the show with the great enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, we got Minoru Suzuki. We got Ruby Soho. Yeah. He, uh, he, it's like you quit the job you hated and then you got some distance and you're like, actually I do like what I do. I just didn't like doing it for that employer. And then you just, it's that weird euphoria you feel. And maybe he'll go back to being bitter, but I hope not. Cause I don't think that they will treat him the way WWE did, but it seems like he's just like, I'm in the ring. The crowd is on my side. How can you not just be happy to be there? You know, just happy to show up and have people chant your name. Tony Khan refers to him as Mr. Punk. (laughs) Excuse me, Mr. Punk. Mr. Punk question. That's funny. Some real, some on some real Sage Northcutt hours there. Oh my God. (laughs) Please. It's CM. Mr. Punk is my father. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So CM Punk, um, I guess is going to have an angle with Team Taz, which is like, okay, I guess that's what he's doing. I that feel like, feels like a pretty low drop. I feel like I need to do like a CM Punk heat check with you every every once in a while, Megan. So like, how are you, how is this? How's the CM Punk thing going for you so far? I'm still in Euphoria Zone. I'm still like, <laughs> look, CM Punk's on my TV. <laughs> okay, I good. still really am am on a, a punk high. I I was even going to go back and watch the uh, the Blu-ray of his, just to oh, be yeah. like, look, CM Punk, remember. <laughs> <laughs> and the same i know well i was yeah. remembering back to the uh ring of honor season one that we watched and like he and colt show up fairly i would say over halfway into that season where they're like on the road trip and they show up and i just remember the long hair and i'm like what is what were you doing back then yeah with your hair i mean he had the long hair until like 2009 2010 and he had bleached it which was, yeah, he, he'd, he'd stop bleaching it by the time he got to WWE, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the many looks of punk. No, but yeah, I'm still really, really happy and happy for him. I just think it's like fun. It's funny when you watch like early Seth Rollins slash Tyler Black stuff or like even like mid like Rollins Black stuff. And it's just like, oh, I wonder who your favorite wrestler was. <laughs> <laughs> who was it? CM Punk. Oh, <laughs> same look. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that why he kept the skunk bleach for a long time? I think so. I like the skunk hair. I'm sorry. I know I'm a minority in this crowd. (laughs) Alex Shelley pulling it off. Anyway, yeah, check in with me on punk. But for now, super high on punk. Cool. Uh, After that segment, we get a very quick promo that I think is super cool. Santana and Ortiz are here to tell us that they beat FTR last week, and so it's time for them to move on. And basically, their goal is to just climb up the ranks and and beat everyone. And I'm hyped, because Santana and Ortiz, they could use more time. Yeah, totally. I I was kind of wanting them to do like a rubber match with FTR, but it looks like they're just ready to move on to something else. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they just... They're just going to work up and try to get the gold, which mm-hmm. is cool. Good for you. I just want to know where the gold at. 
my God, that fucking leprechaun video. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. <laughs> After that, we go to Tony Schiavone, who was talking to Ruby Soho. He said, hey, turns out that you issued an open challenge, Ruby. And Jamie Hayter responded to it and said, like, yes, I will fight you. Because Ruby still, she has her shot at the title. So he's like, why did you do that? Why did you put another match on the table? And she said that basically she just wanted to show that the casino battle royal win at All Out wasn't just luck. She she has skill. So at this point, Britt and company interrupt the interview and they call Ruby the irrelevant flavor of the month. Ruby plays it very cool and mature. She says, hey, Britt, I don't know if people know, but I know you. I've known you for a long time, and I actually helped bring you into this business. And all those nicknames that you use to define who you are, I know what you're doing. You're just trying to hide what you aren't. And so Britt gets her hackles up, and she goes, why aren't you hanging out by catering like you've been the last four years? And this is is enough for Ruby to get really pissed off. That's that's like a burn on, like, people who were in WWE but never got used. Oh. Yeah, so that that pisses Ruby off, and she's, she starts to, like, take her leather jacket off and be like, all right, bitch. And then they peace out, and Ruby looks at Tony, and she goes, look, I know Britt's your girl, but I'm going to kick her ass. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. I didn't know that Ruby and Britt had... I didn't either. I didn't know they had the background. That's interesting. I would not have guessed that they had ever crossed paths, but good to know. Yeah. Uh, After that, we get a match between Powerhouse Hobbs and Dante Martin. Um, Oh, hell yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And I know Andy likes those big guy matches where the two beef boys, like, beat each other up. And I'm not saying that this is what it is. I'm saying the way Andy likes... if it's a Dante Martin match. No, the way Andy likes those matches... I like a good David and Goliath match. And that's what mm-hmm. this was. Especially when David, Dante Martin, is a super flippy guy. Um, yep. Hobbs was here to kick some ass because he's channeling essentially all the frustration from that confrontation he had. Well, Taz had, but he was present for with Punk. And he even at, at like one point on the outside was like, CM Punk. Like, Bleh. like he clearly, it's in his brain that CM Punk is around getting attention. So, um... I thought this match was good. It started out really strong. And then I think at some point Hobbs may have gotten his bell rung because near the end, he looked a little yeah. out of it. And when he made the pin, he he had struggled to get up. So I was wondering if you know what was going on there. Yes. Yeah, so um, I just only caught it on the on the, re- on the instant replay. But when Dante, Dante hits a, uh, a flip dive to the outside onto, onto Hobbs at one point, and when Hobbs uh, bumped for it, he didn't tuck his head and oh. his head like kind of bounced off the, the pretty black mats. Oh. Uh, and, and yeah, he was kind of, he was kind of uh, in a daze for the rest of the match, but he, he was able to like pull the finish off. But, but there was that, that part where Dante was hitting the kicks in the corner and, and Hobbs was clearly out of position the first time and had to kind of, they had to kind of repeat it, you know? Yeah. And there was like, I, I thought I saw Dante also like when he was climbing up into the ropes at one point, kind of like, look like, talk to Hobbs and be like <laughs> but yeah like and at the end when he pinned him he looked kind of out of it and then he laid down on the mat instead of standing up oh. like a, like a victoriously so I hope he's okay 
apparently he was i don't know but like brian alvarez said uh that he he asked around about it afterwards last night and uh he was told that that he was he was okay backstage if he hit the mat hopefully that means like it wasn't it wasn't as bad you know like if you were hitting straight concrete or something that sucks uh I thought this, uh, they had some cool moves, though. Oh, I did too. I thought there was a spot where, um, where like earlier in the match, where Dante tried to dive, and Hobbs caught him, and then like threw him into the post, like redirected him into the ring post, basically. That was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I feel like that spot is like the epitome of of this kind of match, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And- Dante did that cool like thing uh, where he baits someone into running at him, and then he like backflips over them by using the the bottom rope as a springboard oh, I, cool. I i love that i love that thing um it seems like that's kind of he's worked that into his regular repertoire now yeah yeah he's so good at being airborne yeah this match was like trending for a while um uh on i think i think primarily like black wrestling twitter uh oh good like really kind of like got it got it uh up there for a while talking about how like it's great to, like you know have two black wrestlers uh in a like in a kind of a featured singles match yeah yeah and i really love too that dante martin like continues to wear the blm arm band because i feel like like it shows this is not a trend <laughs> like that was not just like for the hashtags like this is a an issue that affects him directly and it's still going on and nothing has really changed. So an ongoing emergency. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he's still wearing it and nobody's telling him not to is, I just thought that was a, that's good. You know, yeah, keep too. it out there. Um, there was also a moment where uh, powerhouse Hobbs like threw him back into the ring from the outside and he literally tucked and sort of went through between two ropes without touching them at all. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> God, yeah, so so good. Um, for Jenny, I did have to call out. Taz was on commentary, and he said Hook looks like a model, and then quickly said he gets that from his mom. And then all <laughs> the old men were like, "Haha, you have to say that." And then they had this old man moment where they were like, "Wives, right?" But not in a be- mean way. It was more like, <laughs> "We appreciate them." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hook does look like a model. And um, I've never seen his mother, but I've seen his father. So <laughs> Jenny's like, no resemblance. <laughs> we, his, mother we, must, his mother must be a giantess. Yeah. We, we do get a brief moment where it looks like Hook might do any sort of wrestling move where he jumped up on the apron and sort of got in the way of uh, Dante from diving onto Hobbs and then as soon as Dante like actually moved forward to complete the dive Hook just ducked and then Hobbs got hit so Hook uh, <laughs> looks like a model not brave wow I'm so curious great. when the boy gets to fight you know like when Queens. We... I, that's what you keep saying I hope it happens yeah I'm you just you from Queens yeah you from Queens <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh my. All right. Moving on. Goodbye, Hook. Uh after this match, we go up to the top nosebleed section where Dan Lambert is still the angriest old man around. Uh he wants us to wake up Sheeple. He has 
What are what's a sheeple? Uh, sheep people. Sheeple. Oh. He is here to tell us that AEW bringing in CM Punk, Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, and Brian Danielson, all of those, and all of those other five foot nothing dorks, is being done to hide the truth of what's really going on with AEW. And I I don't know that he really. Uh, verbalized it well but what i took from it is that the truth is that aew only has two real men wrestling and that is scorpio sky and ethan page and he challenges anyone in the locker room who thinks they can face the men of the year to come forward come at them it's open challenge and i guess that's the truth i I don't know what the lie is i mean i i didn't know that those two men were wrestling because i don't watch youtube I think they just dress really nicely and show up at events. <laughs> I don't know. I'm ready for something to happen in this storyline. Like, I think Dan Lambert's amusing, but it's just been, like, the same thing for a lot of weeks in a row now. I haven't seen Scorpio wrestle in months. I I don't think I've seen Scorpio wrestle since Slammiversary when he and, when he and Paige wrestled Sting and Darby. So yeah. that was that's like the same time I saw uh, Hikaru Shida wrestle last. <laughs> oh, that's it's really more sad. depressing. Uh, I will say I do think Ethan Page's full body maniacal laughing is great. And I think that's pretty funny. But yeah, get get the men on TV if if they're so great. So we'll see how that goes. Um, after that, we get a super quick video package where Matt Hardy surrounded by his family office is incensed and he says that essentially the only way he will be satisfied is if he can cut orange cassidy's hair just kind of a weird very specific kink of his i guess uh and then we cut to orange who is with the best friends and chuck whispers something in his ear we don't know what it is but essentially orange just goes matt wants to cut my hair whatever and then moves on it's not like he has a lot of hair. No. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, Matt Hardy bald, though. So that'll be fun. Oh, God. So I, I assume this is leading to a hair versus hair match. I don't think he has the right head shape to have a bald head. No, it'll be hilarious. That's going to look so weird. He'll just have to wear, like, hats all the time. And then people, like, baby faces will, like, steal the hat from him. And he'll be like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And he'll run away. Oh, God. Andy, <laughs> has there been a hair match in recent wrestling or is that more of the 80s 90s thing because that seems like such a specific gimmick they happen in mexico all the time um i'm trying to think like well what you get in mexico a lot is like hair versus mask matches yeah and uh and if you get that you usually know that the hair guy is going to lose because like it's you know you can regrow hair you're not allowed to Mm -hmm. put a mask back on Mm -hmm. um but I can't like think. in the era of modern wrestling, even in like an impact or an ROH, has anybody like the had- last one I remember, and I'm sorry to invoke it, is uh at WrestleMania 23 in 2007 when Bobby Lashley wrestled Umaga and their representatives were Vince McMahon and Donald Trump. Oh and- god the loser of the match, their representative had to have their head shaved. So Umaga lost. And and so Vince had to have his head shaved. I was going to say Trump wouldn't let them touch that horrifying pile of whatever it is on his head. No, 
God. Okay, so this sounds weird, but if Matt Hardy has to go bald, it will be a sight. I'll say that much. Oh, apparently... Oh, that's right. Okay, so... I think the most recent one in, like, major American wrestling was uh, CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio. They did a hair versus mask match. And that's actually when Punk ditched the the short of the long hair. Okay. Okay. You know what? That counts. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's so specific. And I, I don't remember seeing a match like that in like all the time I've watched wrestling. So yeah, they don't happen very much. They don't happen often here, but I think, I think it's a good idea. I think, uh, I think people will be interested to see uh, Matt Hardy get his head shaved. Heck yeah. Let's do it. So I, I don't know when that's going to happen, but sometime in the future. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we've got the, the segment MJF hates Cincinnati, wherein he comes out. And I knew that as a Midwesterner, I was going to get just dragged through the mud on this one. And that's <laughs> fine. Uh, MJF opens with, let me ex- explain something to you, pot-bellied pigs. She's like, okay. And uh, a, charitable, a charitable read of that may have been that MJF somehow did his homework and knows that, like, there's the flying pig marathon. And, like, Cincinnati has, like, the pig thing. Uh, but I don't think that's what it was. <laughs> Um, because later he came for our chili skyline and he came for our sport team, the reds our winning sport team, I guess called them all mid cause it's the Midwest. So mid quality, um, before that he claimed that he beat Jericho smack dab in the middle of the ring, which is delusional. Uh, but the match was restarted due to a bias against him. Sure. Uh, at this point, he looked to the crowd and, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. is from Cincinnati. And so in the audience tonight in the front row was his aunt, Linda, and I, his sister, because she said she was Brian Pillman's daughter. Um, but Aunt Linda apparently made an appearance on the dark side of the ring because CM Punk, when he was out here earlier, did acknowledge that. And he hugged her. MJF, on the other hand feels compelled to insult them. He, you know, says some horrible stuff, which which is just, like, real dark when you consider the backgrounds. But uh, Linda and and the sister that they don't give a name to both seem pretty entertained by this and flipped him off. And so at this point, Brian Pillman Jr. is compelled to come to their defense. He rolls out wearing a Bengals jersey. He says that Cincinnati breeds bad asses such as Moxley himself, you know, all the classics. And then he tells MJF, welcome to the jungle. MJF gets real graphic and gross as he insults Brian Pillman Jr.'s mom. Uh, you know, just, just like, I don't, I don't want to repeat it because it's gross. <laughs> but if Andy wants to, feel free. No, I don't, no, no. It, it's gross. Um, it was like really... I don't know. Like it was pretty blue humor. That's all I can say. Like what? Yeah, the? it's stuff that like yeah, I can't make that work. MJF can somehow make it work sometimes, but no. I I can't. I'm assuming he cleared that because if he didn't, oh yeah, wowzers, yeah. Uh, what he no, said 100%, was bad. Hundred percent. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, but he goes to some dark places, and because of this, obviously Brian Pillman Jr. wants to get at him. Wardlow is there. He stands in the way and blocks Brian Pillman Jr. And then for some unknown reason, MJF is like, Wardlow, hey, glad you're blocking better than you did at that uh, which match he specified. He he insulted Wardlow and basically said, you're bad at your job, and then told him to get out of the way and go to the corner. Just like, what are you doing, idiot? Wardlow listens, he goes to his corner, he faces the corner, and when Brian Pillman Jr. attacks MJF, he kind of slowly turns around and looks and is like, oh yeah, that's my job. And then he kind of slowly saunters over and saves MJF. It it all looks very half-hearted, which I don't blame him. Griff Garrison runs out when Wardlow starts beating up on poor Brian Pillman Jr. And he just gets the dynamite diamond ring to the face for his trouble. So he's down. And then MJF goes for him again, and Brian Pillman Jr., he does that thing where he sacrifices his body by laying in, laying on top of Griff and saying, like, no, take me. And uh, at this point, the crowd starts chanting at MJF, you tapped out. And this is enough to make him finally be like, fuck this crowd. And he walks away. I like the Wordlow stuff a lot. And I thought Brian Pillman uh, came off very well, too, as a babyface. Yeah, he was he was very inspiring. When do you think Wardlow is going to kick MJF to the curb? Um, I don't know. When, when are they back in Pennsylvania? That's that's Wardlow country. Uh. Oh, <laughs> that I don't know. They were just in Pittsburgh recently. Do you think yeah. they? I think they're going to Philly pretty soon, though. So maybe maybe there. Okay. Or maybe like they they did announce um, their debut in uh, Long Island, which is MJF territory. So. It'd be fun. I, I think I think if you're ever going to subvert the uh, like people do well in AEW in their hometowns, it's it's with uh, MJF. So, <laughs> like, yeah, like have, have Wardlow like beat his ass in his in his hometown. Hell yeah, that would be good. Yeah, yeah I, poor Wardlow. He's so put upon and it was like he's just doing his job. And then you come over there and you talk shit to him. That's just it's a bad move, bro. But yeah. Whatever. After that, we get another hometown boy. We get John Moxley, and he's cutting a promo on Minoru Suzuki, his opponent for the evening. Uh, Moxley says he's never found Minoru Suzuki all that scary, and maybe that's due to who, where he's from, because as Brian Pillman just covered, Cincinnati breeds badasses. Uh, he says, Minoru, you're in the jungle tonight, and I think that means, like, I'm going to kill you. Well, I mean, he he really... Axel rosed it up. He said, you in the jungle, you're going to die. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How much fun do you think he was having just being like, oh, Cincinnati, I get to do whatever the hell I want. Like, so much fun. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. good. Um, after that promo, we go to the ring where Jamie Hayter is facing off against Ruby Soho. Um, Britt Baker and company are all there with her. They're here to destroy Ruby, probably equal parts because they hate her and because she'll have a shot at Britt's title in the future, so they want to break her down as much as possible. Um, but I have to say, like, Jamie Hayter gets a lot of offense in, and I think she does some really good heel work. Ultimately, though, Ruby is able to knock her out with a kick to the face and then get the pin, which I would have expected, but good for Ruby. Yeah, I think... It's her same. It's the same move that she used in WWE, but I don't think she ever won very much in WWE uh, once she got past NXT. So I think it's going to take a few. It'll take a few wins on TV for 
the crowds to react to it because they didn't because they didn't know it was the finish when it happened. Yeah, well, they didn't also the the announcers didn't give the move a name. They just said a kick to the face. Right. It was the riot kick in uh, in WWE. See, if Excalibur were there, he would have had this covered. Yeah, he would have done something. Yeah. Um, yeah, after the match, Britt Baker attacks Ruby as she goes to hug Bryce because she is the ultimate heel. How could you? How dare you? And at this point, Riho runs in to try and help, but Jamie Hayter roughs her up real good. Um, Britt sets Ruby up to curb stomp her onto the title belt, but Chris Statlander runs out with a chair in hand. So we got three and three here. There's obviously going to be a women's trios match next week. Actually, Rampage? it's on Friday. Damn. I try to follow the cards and I fail all the time. Well, this is like the, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's tougher now because sometimes it's like, sometimes things are set up for next week. And sometimes now they have to set things up for two days later. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to them closely when there was only one show. Yeah, I know. So here we go. <laughs> but yeah, good match. Um, after that, we get a quick video package from Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. It all boils down to Brian Cage wanting a one-on-one match with Starks to finally settle this issue that they have between them. I did like at the beginning when Brian Cage goes... Ricky Starks, you got a problem? And then they cut to Ricky Starks, who goes, I have a problem. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Okay, Yeah. <laughs> so um, maybe we'll finally get past this issue where I'm assuming Brian Cage is going to end up kicked out of Team Taz. Hasn't he been out of Team Taz for a long time? I de facto assumed he was out, but I don't know. Where Where is he hovering now? Is he a free agent? That's my I think question. he's a free agent. Okay. Well, he's still got to fight about it. So Yeah, this is... This is still not doing anything for me. This brand, babyface Brian Cage thing. I think they need, they need to, like, blow this off on TV and then let these guys both move on to something else. Like, like the, the, this Punk versus Team Taz thing is infinitely more appealing to me than the lingering issues with Brian Cage. Yeah, and I think it has more potential to... Um, showcase Ricky Starks and Brian uh, powerhouse Hobbs and I potentially hook. I don't know where he's going to fit on this. If he's going to start wrestling while punk is still interested in them, but I think they have more potential to go over or be showcased than with, you know, Brian cage being like, I hate you guys. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, after that, we get another match. It's Sean Spears and FTR teaming up against Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, and John Silver in a depressing display of what's going on with the Dark Order. Before the match, um, there was a quick little sort of inset video of an interview where Alex Marvez is talking to the Dark Order, and they they all just start to yell at each other. And then Anna Jay and Tay Conti step up and tell them to get their shit together, that the Dark Order is a family. So that's what we've got going into this. And, you know, the Dark Order clearly still have issues during this fight. They uh, they have issues, but I think there's indicators that they can overcome them. So they carry their verbal argument from in front of Alex Marvez into the ring with them. They fight amongst themselves instead of focusing completely on their opponents. John Silver at the beginning uh, start has like a weird tag-in war with Stu Grayson. <laughs> they tag in and out 
like three or four times before finally John Silver gets to start. And then all of this infighting results in essentially John Silver being in the ring alone to face all three members of the pinnacle himself because Stu and Uno bump heads and fall off to the side. And that is how John Silver ultimately gets pinned. Um, it is Sean Spears who pins pins him with a Death Valley driver. Of all the people to get the pinfall. And of I all know. the people to take the pinfall. I know. This is the combination you choose. John Silver was, he was going wild out there with such a little, little man with so much rage. And Sean yeah. Spears, like, why? It was weird. It was weird. And then they fight. They, yes, after the match, Uno got in John Silver's face because of this loss and he pushed him. And then Five runs in from out of nowhere and confronts Uno. And then the whole group just starts fighting amongst themselves because Colt and Ten were on the outside. So they get in there. And then Anna and Tay come out and stand on the top of the stage. They look exasperated. But when Anna starts to try to go to the ring, Tay holds her back. And I think it's just the, the implication is like, let's just let them fight it out. But these boys are in crisis. They need a leader. Yeah, Who will sure. save them? Well, in three weeks, AEW Dynamite is going to be in Rochester, New York. Okay. Hometown of and originally the planned debut spot for Mr. Brody Lee. So I am hoping that maybe after two months off, the hangman comes back on that show and uh and brings everyone back together god that would be delightful yes i think i think it will take the power of adam page to to unite this group yes i I hope it can happen i think i think like regardless of what they're doing they need to do they need to do some kind of Brody lee tribute at that show oh for sure and i bet they will they're very thoughtful in that way yeah so, fingers crossed those boys get it together. There was one moment in the match where they they did the the Dark Order hand signal to each other. And I thought, oh, okay, well, we're back on the same page. We're going to get it together. But, alas, it didn't come of anything. So, Adam will do it. Adam will fix this. In the meantime, we get a quick video package of the fallout from the Casino Battle Royale at All Out, where a lot of the ladies came away with lingering beefs. Specifically, we see Anna Jay and Tay Conti mad at the Bunny and Penelope Ford. Um, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and Thunder Rosa just generally pissed off about not winning. So I don't know if this means that those ladies are going to get some highlights, but it'd be cool because, you know, more women's division stuff would be great. This is, uh, yeah, I think I thought this was promising because it, it, like you said, it kind of set up specific beefs for people on the women's roster, not named Britt Baker. As yes. Jenny, as Jenny pointed out earlier. Yes. Be great. Right, Jenny? Yeah. I know it would be totally controversial and weird, and I don't think it should be, but what if we had a show where there was 50-50 matches between women and men? Like what if what if there was a balanced show where that happened? I don't 
think any promotions do that. It's all either all men, all women, or men with like one women's match on a show. I just wonder if we could give the women's division a little more time. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, like short term, it would, they do worse in the ratings, but long term, I mean, theoretically that you're, that means you're building more women stars and then, and then the, so the ratings should rise to, you know, normal levels eventually. Yeah. I just wish a large promotion would venture to try it because we all sit in a place where like 90% men, 10% female, maybe maybe even less. A show like that is just considered normal and it's like, well why? Why would it be abnormal if there were more if there were 50-50 split or even god help us a majority women show? Why would that be not normal? I mean, I know the answer, but just want to put it out there for all well, the Megan, male listeners to think about in their brain. Megan, I I just want to, you know, if you if if, if it's if it's a more equitable split of the time on the show that you're looking for. I think you may want to look into a couple of programs called, uh, WWE Monday night raw and, uh, WWE Friday night Smackdown. Those might be, those might be more up your alley. If you, if you want that, that, that more even split of time. You know what? Honestly, I would watch the women's programming. I don't know if I can stomach anything else because it would probably still be hard to watch with the writing, but (laughs) I feel like they're really butchering storylines across the board, across all genders. Yeah. <sighs> Just throwing it out there. Anyway. Next up, we have an interview. Tony Schiavone is talking to Tully Blanchard. Tully says, did you see those three stars that just left the ring victorious? That Sean Spears and FTR? They left because of leadership. Um, Tully calls out Sting for not being a leader to his protege, Darby Allen. And because of that weird specific criticism, Tully says he wants a match next week between Sean Spears and Darby specifically. And he also hints that like, maybe there'll be a time when it's me and you in the ring sting. Maybe. So that'd be a weird one to see. I thought that was a strange thing for Tully to say, because <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that match. Tully is not going to wrestle Right? I mean, the last time he wrestled, it was because FTR was in the ring doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could do, like, a tag with him and Sean versus Darby and Sting. But I just, I don't see the, like, I like Tully. And I think Tully's a good manager. But I don't think a lot of people who are, like, AEW viewers are clamoring to see Tully Blanchard in a featured tag team match. Well, I I think that's fair. Yes, (laughs) I think you're right. I mean, I agree. I mean, I love him. I think he's great. But, you know, it's it it ain't like that. Hey, he said maybe one day, one day in the future. Yeah. Uh, That'll be the day. We'll see. Um, (laughs) But for now, we go backstage where Alex Marvez is interviewing and Alex Marvez, this is why you get the microphone snatched from you. He's literally in the back area where medical work is done with the varsity blondes. And he turns to Brian Pillman Jr. and says, hey, what's the update on Garrison? Who, P.S., is sitting right there beside him with an ice pack on his eye. And Brian Pillman Jr. is like, are you fucking kidding me? Why are you asking me this? 
And then he goes off on what happened and how angry he is about what happened earlier with MJF and Wardlow. He says he's gotten Tony Khan's approval for a match against MJF on September 22nd at the Arthur Ashe, Arthur Ashe Stadium. So Brian Pillman Jr. has a shot to uh, get revenge on MJF. Uh, at this point, the Acclaim show up. My God, haven't seen them in a while. I guess Caster's back. And Max has flowers in his hand. He hands them to Brian Pillman Jr. Um, this act of nicety is also accompanied by Anthony Bowens calling them the Varsity Bitches. And match, Max Caster says, I've also politicked my way into a match, so I'll be facing you, Brian Pillman Jr., on this Friday's Rampage. Um, so quite a match, I guess. I think it was a smart thing because you could hear the crowd pop huge when Bowens like announced that that match was happening. Uh, or sorry, when Caster announced the match was happening because they knew that that meant that they were going to get to see it later that night. Um, I just think it's smart, like, cause you did, you know, you did a highlight segment for Brian earlier, but he did get, he did get beat up in it. So mm-hmm. you give him something where he can still come out later and be triumphant in his hometown. Yeah, that's nice. Good for him. Yeah. I like Brian Pillman Jr. His hair is wacky as hell, but I think he's, <laughs> he seems like a nice boy who really just wants to do his best. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for him. Um, after that, we go to the interview with the elite. Tony Schiavone's interviewing them, kind of, because the second Don Cowes steps into the ring, he steals the microphone and is like, I've got this. So Tony stands there. We hear about Kenny being named the number one wrestler in the PWI Top 500, as we talked about earlier. No um, mention of Lulu Pencil's prestigious number 500 placing. Bullshit. But yes, thank you for reminding us. Um, So (laughs) the Young Bucks are like, hey, we we gave you the greatest tag team match in wrestling history. And in the course of doing so, uh, had our tag team titles stolen from us. Stolen, not lost, stolen. Um, But luckily for all the elite, their best friend Adam Cole is back. Um, Adam Cole at this point walks out everybody pops he masters the crowd he his music i feel like everyone's still getting used to it because he did the like pointing to himself where you're supposed to say like boom or whatever but like i don't think it it struck but then when he did the adam cole baby thing where he like bent down and like gave them plenty of time to know like i'm gonna i'm gonna stand up uh everybody nailed that synchronization so this is I have to get used to this new music. But everyone is super into Adam Cole, which is great. Yeah. Adam Cole is, like, real happy. He looks he looks like a sweet boy until his first order of business is to get into Tony Schiavone's face and say, Jenny, Jenny, pay attention to this, because this, 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 this would have been up your alley. Adam Cole gets up in Tony's space, and he goes, Hey, I know that you think you're best friends with Boo Baker, but if you give her... You look at her the wrong way. I will kick your ass. And he just like big times Tony Schiavone who just stares at him and is like, what? And then he goes, get out of my ring, you nerd. And he heckles him to get out of the ring, calling him a nerd until Tony like very slowly shuffles away, still looking super confused. It was very rude. It was so rude. 
How dare you, Adam Cole? Also, I don't think you have anything to worry about. They're just friends. <sighs> so Adam Cole does that move. People are pissed because they're like Tony Shabani rules. They were chanting Tony with good reason. <laughs> so he didn't win any friends there. But he uh, he goes on to talk about how he attributes AW status as like the greatest company in the universe to how great Kenny and the Bucks are. And now they have him back. So he says the elite is complete. And he also tells us that he'll be making his entering debut next week on Dynamite. We find out later that it's against Frankie Kazarian. Did you notice that there was no mention of Anderson or Gallows, even though they were there? Yeah. I assumed it's because they're an impact. Is that bad? I, yeah. I just, I just, I, I started to wonder if maybe they're looking to phase them out since they're not actually, you know, AEW contract guys. And now, and now they got Adam Cole. So I'm not going to say I'd be disappointed if they went away. I would be disappointed at the seance gallows. Um, just acted he's, like he was whacking off. And I was just like, fucking go away. Megan, he's just trying to catch a kiss. Oh my God. <laughs> and sour boy. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, we got a wheelie big plop whoop. <laughs> okay, I could say bye to both of them. <laughs> it's fine if you want to go back to Impact. That's great. Too many quickets, guys. Oh my god. I hate Sour Boy. <laughs> Sour Boy's the worst. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if they face them out, I won't be disappointed. They yeah. have Adam Cole back. Um, at this point, Kenny gets on the mic and he's like, hey, the one thing I hate the most is being interrupted. And so cue Brian Danielson's music. Brian Danielson promptly interrupts him. I'm so happy to see that he's back to being the American Dragon, which I think is very cool. And uh, yeah, Brian comes out. Everybody loves him because he's Brian Danielson. He walks to the ring and he's he looks at Kenny. Kenny says, hey, let's get down to brass tacks. Brian grabs the mic and is like, hey, crowd, do you want to see me versus uh, Kenny? And everybody's like, of course we do. And he's like, well, Kenny keeps telling me that AEW doesn't work that way. But I think it's because Kenny's scared. And then uh, Kenny looks mad. Brian attacks him, puts him in an armbar. And at this point, the rest of the elite attack Brian. But they get chased away when Jurassic Express, Christian, and Frankie Kazarian roll out and chase them away. Brandon Cutler ends up alone in the ring. In the center of this group of faces, he has his cold spray. But alas, it's not enough to stop the knee of Brian Danielson from hitting him right in the face. It certainly isn't. Brandon Cutler never change. <laughs> he's he's really found he's really found his uh, his sweet spot. It's true. I love it so much. But yeah, I guess so this is what we were talking about earlier with uh, with the you know the rankings and. Yeah. Are we actually are we actually going to see this match anytime soon? I don't know. It sounds like he's challenging and it doesn't look like Kenny's eager to face him because I think he is in fact scared, but how do you not? That feels like a pay-per-view match to me. And the next pay-per-view is still over 2 months away, so And also I thought that you we were we were assuming that Adam would Step into the next challenger role. Yeah, I don't know. 
That's that was certainly Jenny's thought because Full Gear is Adam Adam Page's pay per view. I uh, I mean I also assume that Adam needs to take it from Kenny for the story, and if Daniel Bryan faces Kenny, I I would think that that is most likely a switching title situation. Oh, I I just assumed Kenny would beat Danielson. Oh, really? Yeah. And then and then no. next pay-per-view cycle, like Revolution, uh would uh would be Hangman. Or as as a friend of the show Justin Shapiro has uh dubbed the February pay-per-view now with the uh, Owens news uh, looming uh Kevolution. <laughs> god love it um wow but okay so if that's the way they go though then danielson doesn't face kenny for the title i thought he's i guess he would just face kenny because he doesn't like him no he could face him for the title at full gear lose but, but lose but then he goes to face adam for the title to take Kenny, yeah, would yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. They have so many big names now. It's like, yeah, like it's it's pretty hard to predict at this point because there are so many moving parts. Yeah. All right. I guess. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. I mean, Brian Danielson just kind of put it all out there. Rankings. I'm not going to play within them for the time being. <laughs> so we'll see. You should just go like wrestle Fuego on, on uh dark, like three weeks in a row. <laughs> build up those wins. Like hey, Fuego's, Fuego's signed now. Okay. He's all elite. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> God. Okay. Okay. Well, that's something to think on. I guess we'll see where that goes. Um, but as far as this show is concerned, we have reached the end. It is the main event. It is Minoru Suzuki versus John Moxley. It is uh, a situation where we have basically ten minutes left, and I thought, <laughs> did the show run over? What something, happened? Something had to have run over because a because they only had like ten minutes of TV time, like you said when this when the entrances started, and they cut off Suzuki's theme song before it climaxed to the part where everyone chants Kaze ni Nare, which is the best part of Minoru Suzuki's theme song. And I, I thought TNT should have canceled dynamite at that moment. Uh, but they didn't, um, it was like, it was just about to say Kaze ni Nare and then wild things started instead. So I think they were rushing, which is crazy because then the show ended with like two minutes or two or three minutes of Moxley, just like kind of bebopping around in the crowd. <laughs> Yeah, well, he had to be amongst his people. I'll say that. Um, Which is something I think you could have probably done off camera. Um, And I'm sure continued to happen off camera. But yeah, it it was weird because I'm like, oh, this man, this angry old man is going to fight John Moxley. And he was mean mugging the whole time Moxley was making his way to the ring. I was like, holy fuck, that guy wants to kill him so bad. Um, But he did not. John Moxley won with the paradigm shift. Um, but like, I I thought it was like what they did was, I thought was good. It was like very, it was like a a sprint, but I, I was, I'd built it up bigger in my head of like what it was going to, I was thinking like, oh, they're going to go out and have like a G1 match. 
like it it felt like all of a sudden they decided now we end you know like the they were building up they were like suzuki was working on john moxie's right arm which had the surgery he was really focusing on it and then that didn't really affect the outcome because then they just started like punching each other which was cool but all of a sudden it was like paradigm shift done i just felt like that seemed quick you know, like was was it one of the punches or forearms that like busted uh, Suzuki's eyebrow? Because I've that was that was like kind of a unique uh, blood pattern that we that we got there. Oh yeah, it was it just like super cool. Just on his like his one eye. Yeah, I guess so. Because I honestly thought um, when they started biting each other's forehead that they were going to to blade and make blood come out, and neither of them did. And then all of a sudden. Just randomly, Suzuki had, like, um, an eye patch of blood, which looked cool, but I, I also think it must have not been on purpose. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't, this is not normally my style of match, but I gotta say, like, at the beginning, when they were trying, they were doing the pace of what I expect the match to be before they went into overdrive, uh, I just thought it was really cool to watch these two strong, angry men just, like, hit each other and like at one point moxie was doing lariats on suzuki and he did suzuki was like i will not fall down so he kind of like leaned back and was like whoa and then kind of like got back up like he that was neat um but yeah the end just all of a sudden it was like now it's over paradigm shift yeah (laughs) now i did, did uh right when we were getting ready to start recording i did see a headline that AEW announced that next week on Dynamite, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer are going to call out John Moxley. So um, Moxley and or Archer and Suzuki are, uh, I guess What's not anymore. Group? Suzuki Suzuki Goon. Um, but yeah, but like I, I guess I guess Archer's still technically kind of in it, even though he's hasn't been in Japan for like two years. The announced team did make a point to say he was. Oh, okay. Well, so yeah, they're going to call out Moxley next week. I assume that that's going to lead to a tag match with hopefully like Mox and Eddie against uh, those two at some point. That'll be great. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad that it's not just one and done for uh, Mr. Suzuki. I know that he is, he is in the States this month because he's doing a lot of like indie dates and like new Japan strong and stuff. So he's, he's, uh, you know, might as well keep doing AEW while, as long as he's around. Yeah. And Hey, get those, uh, Get those backs shots while you're yeah, I think everybody, I think they, they finally like, um, new Japan finally got everybody vaccinated on their themselves. They finally got enough, uh, shots to do it a couple months ago. Okay. Um, I do like that. Suzuki is literally the first new Japan guest star where Moxley did not show him respect or bow <laughs> or like, like shake his hand. He was just like, I beat you fuck off. And then like left the ring. <laughs> He did, did not bother doing anything special for him. It's like cool. I got a party with my people. Yeah, yeah. I this is like this is the third like over fifty year old New Japan wrestler that Moxley has beat on uh, AEW programming this year. I I mean I guess my question is like when's Tanahashi coming over? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like it's like maybe it's like oh you beat all these old men now pick on someone like who's you know like not 50. slightly less old. <laughs> Isn't yeah. he in his 40s, though? He's yeah, still older. Yeah, I don't know how she's, like, punk-aged. Okay. But, 
and you know, and then obviously it finally would have to. We got We got to finally get Moxley versus Okada for like a, a young gun. Uh, that would get, be so cool. Someone, someone like a, a contemporary of Mr. Moxley. Yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. I'm, I'm yeah. all for it. Let's do that. Yeah. But that you should look. You should look up the after the show stuff. There's like a lot of good uh, Moxley and Pillman talking to Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, on my feed, after Moxley did his thing in the crowd, uh, they cut the feed, and then the picture came back, and people were, like, ring hands were in there taking away. People had thrown toilet paper into the ring as, like, a, I guess, like, a Cincinnati version of the uh, great paper. I don't know. Cool. Oh, yeah. Making us look real great. Um, but people were cleaning that up, and then I heard... Uh, the announcement that like get ready for rampage and then the screen cut like the feed cut again so did you think for a moment like am i just gonna get to watch rampage right now <laughs> yeah i was like ooh, and then it was like <laughs> nope you are not <laughs> oh so yeah rampage is on friday and it's um we found out the card tonight it's that that six woman tag with mm-hmm. uh baker hater and rebel versus soho Riho, and Stato. Uh we cannot turn this into some sort of hoe match, okay? <laughs> and uh Gar- uh not Garrison, uh Pillman versus Caster. Mm-hmm. And of course the big featured match, uh, which was moved from the pay-per-view, uh Pack versus Andrade. Yes. So that's three. Is that kind of the that's, top limit? Yeah, there? that's every okay. every rampage is at three matches so far. I think that's gonna be what they stick with. Okay. That works. That's a good consumable level of show. Yes. Until they expand it to two hours. Shut up, dude. <laughs> I think it's inevitable, Megan. <laughs> There's so much to watch, and then it would go to midnight Eastern time. Please don't, Tony Khan. Yeah, yeah I know. All right. Look, we've been at it for a while. I think I think we've uh, I think we've done what we came here to do. Excellent Talk recap, some Megan. Talk some wrestling. Excellent recap, Megan. Uh, Thank as you. always, um, we will be back next week uh, with more as dynamite is emanating from New Jersey of all places. Oh yikes! Yeah, MJF better have some stuff to say about Jersey. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I don't know if there are any Jersey people in. AW, we'll figure that out. But uh, Jenny, do you have anything you want to say here as we as we sign off? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, this has been the Elite Beat. E Elite Beat E E Elite Beat. <laughs>